You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Hello and welcome back to this week's Weekly Wrap-Up here on Sprott Money News. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford, and on the line today we have the chairman and founder of Sprott Global Companies, Mr. Rick Rule. Good morning, Rick. Thank you for joining us today, sir. Good morning, Jeff. How are you, sir? Excellent, excellent. Glad you can join us today. Pleasure. Well, firstly, Rick, again, another interesting week. Let's start off with silver. So silver seems to be pushing back as double bottoms form. So it's been in a downward trend recently after it broke through the previous support level. So, Rick, with this in mind, do you think we can see silver push back to its highs earlier this month? Well, giving a broker like me the use of a word could is always dangerous. Uh, Anything can happen. I think in the very near term, one needs to expect choppy to down markets in all precious metals. Um, I think that because what we have seen is that the the safe haven security worldwide is believed to be the U.S. 10-year treasury. I happen to believe personally that precious metals are better stores of value in their intermediate term than U.S. dollar-denominated U.S. Treasury securities. But in the very short term, what we have seen is that the U.S. dollar is the safe haven asset of choice. I say that as an American uh, with the sad understanding that I think that the faith in the U.S. dollar and U.S. Treasury securities is a mistake. Uh, that notwithstanding, uh, financial history is replete with mistakes of this type. But since you confined me to the near term, I have to say in the near term, I don't see any relief in sight. So, Rick, let's switch over to Canada for a moment. Much of our Canadian clientele is already frustrated with what's happening with the Canadian dollar. Just yesterday, the Bank of Canada lowered interest rates in hopes of stimulating the economy. Now, many Canadian buyers of precious metals are already frustrated with the conversion into the U.S. dollar. So, Rick, is there a strategy you can suggest for Canadian and gold silver bucks to get their best bang for their buck? Well, Canadian investors, of course, have been forced to be schizophrenic uh, because they spend Canadian dollars, but they mark to market their gold and silver holdings in U.S. dollars. If Canadian investors were a little less schizophrenic, in other words, if they valued their gold and silver in Canadian dollar terms, they'd feel way better about it than, as an example, I do in the United States, spending U.S. dollars and marking my gold and silver to market in U.S. dollar terms. Uh, you will find that uh, you know gold and silver have held their value relatively well in Canadian dollar terms and have done very well, in fact, in euro and yen terms. It's interesting to note for people that really, with the exception of the U.S. dollar, we are in uh, precious metals neutral or precious metals bull markets in most currencies in the world for the last 14 months. What I would suggest to Canadians is they consider the t- typical uh, reasons for owning gold and silver Uh, which are really as stores of value and preservation of wealth over time. We seem to have developed on both sides of the 49th parallel a trader's mentality, uh, a sense that gold and silver and shares and derivatives don't really represent fractional ownership in underlying businesses or anything like that, but rather uh, they're bits and bytes uh, on trading screens. And that isn't the function of gold and silver. The function of gold and silver is to help you maintain your purchasing power over time, but in particular to help you maintain your purchasing power in trying times. The reason I'm giving you this long-winded response is I I think an investor perhaps of my age 
can put things in perspective. An example would be, uh, my favorite example in the U.S. is Motel 6. Um, when I was a young man, uh, partially by need and partially by the fact that I was cheap, I stayed at a place called Motel 6 because rooms there cost $6. When I go buy Motel 6 today, it says Motel 6, $69, which suggests to me that the medium of exchange in my country, the U.S. dollar, has, with regards to overnight lodging, lost 95% of its purchasing power over 30 years. There's something about being my age, 62, that gives you a 30-year perspective. And if you take a perspective that's longer than the normal trader's perspective, you will understand something about the efficacy of owning gold and silver. I had an interesting call with a client yesterday concerning the gold market. And, you know, we were talking about the fact that gold had fallen fairly substantially in the last three years. He says, but, you know, that's interesting because the bulk of my gold holdings were purchased in the year 2000. So I need to decide for myself whether gold is down from 1900 to 1150 or if it's up from 250 to 1150. Both points of view are valid, of course. But the Canadian investor, like the U.S. investor who is considering a purchase of gold and silver, needs to understand and ask him or herself why they are purchasing gold and silver. If they're purchasing it in the context of being traders, then I would suspect that technical analysis would be a, a better way uh, to time and inform my purchases. I am not a trader myself. I'm an investor. And in that context, uh, if I buy silver for $15 and see it fall to 14 or 13 but I'm buying it in anticipation of some number like 50 uh, I don't care too much about the $2 drop in value. And I, so I, I think it's more important for the Canadian investor you talk about to consider his or her own strategy and prejudice, pay a little less attention to the silver market and more, more in terms of histor uh, silver's historic place in their savings matrix and whether or not they believe that's appropriate to them. I certainly do. So, Rick, looking over the last few weeks, we've seen the ongoing debt crisis in Greece result in Greece accepting austerity measures after seemingly threatening the fabric of the EU before coming to a resolution. Likewise, we have this mystery glitch closed in New York Stock Exchange, you know, which is, again, almost laughable. And then, through all that, we have the Chinese stock market crash 28%. Yet, the U.S. mint runs out of silver and precious metals are not rising as they typically would during these times of economic turmoil. So the question is, Rick, how can we have a silver shortage and we have no price increase in precious metals? What are your thoughts on that, Rick? Well, certainly there's a huge disconnect between the futures market, the paper market and silver, and the physical market. Certainly, the paper market led the silver price up last decade. The development of the ETF SLV as an example, uh, led to an enormous accumulation of silver and silver derivatives. And the paper market led the silver market up. In fact, the physical market in the last decade lagged the paper market. The paper market has taken primacy, but it always eventually takes direction from the physical market. What you are seeing in the physical market is rational retail demand that is um, instigated by price. Uh, I'll give you a parallel example. Finally, in the United States, uh, after a decline in crude oil prices from $60 to 
and a decline in retail gasoline prices of similar magnitude. Just now, you're starting to see record U.S. refinery runs. Because gasoline is costing less, people are using more of it. And you need to regard silver in one way, shape, or form as a savings consumer good, and not so much the institutional traders who are active in the paper market, but rather living, breathing human beings are making what I believe is a rational decision. They are seeing silver in one hand as a trading vehicle, but in the other hand as a store of value. And they're understanding that even if you regard it as insurance, that the insurance premiums are very low. So you're seeing retail accumulation of physical silver at the same time that you're seeing the leverage long institutional holders uh, bail out of the paper market. The prior point that you made, I think, um, is worth reflecting on, too. One of the things that has really surprised me about financial markets in the last two or three years has been the lack of volatility. The VIX, as an example, which is a measure of volatility in U.S. equity markets, the chart of the VIX, of the VIX looks like the electrocardiogram of a corpse. It's just sideways with no premium for volatility at all. But I believe that volatility is going to increase, and I think the circumstance that you've seen with regards to the Chinese market in particular, but with regards to other markets as well, is a sign that markets of all types are going to be much more choppy and much more volatile going forward. That's not a bad thing, of course, if you have the courage and the cash to take advantage of volatility, but you need to really truly have the courage of your convictions. I also think that the hegemony of the U.S. dollar as a store of value uh, won't be destroyed, but it will be um, less dominant. That is to say, I'm not one of those who believes that the U.S. dollar will collapse and the U.S. dollar hegemony will be a thing of the past. I'm not even one who believes that precious metals will win the war against the dollar. But they don't have to. They just need to lose it less badly. And I think that will happen. Um, my understanding, these aren't my numbers, I think they're um, Morgan Stanley's numbers. My understanding is that precious metals and precious metals-related securities occupy one-third of 1% 1 of the savings and investment assets in the United States. In 1980, a similar number was 8%, uh, which is to say, obviously, some 24, 25 times higher. If, and I believe this will occur, precious metals and precious metals equities come to represent 1% of total U.S. investings and savings assets, there would be a tripling of demand for gold and silver in a nation that occupies 24% of the world's savings. Uh, that in and of itself, and I'm not saying it's going to happen in three months, but that in and of itself would lead to a tremendous rise in physical gold and silver prices absent any other change in the world. And I think that I think that's a situation that never mind can occur. I think it's a situation that will occur. I just don't think it will occur in a time frame that people who are used to <laughs> the internet <laughs> appreciate. Very good point. Very good point. Well, Rick, as usual, we always appreciate your insight here on the weekly wrap up and we look forward to speaking to you in the weeks to come. A pleasure. Thanks for having me. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. This is Jeff Rutherford for the weekly wrap up here on Sprout Money News. Have a great weekend.